This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Marriage and recovery. I am here with two of the coolest people I know, Dustin and Kristen Bergeron. We practiced the last name before to make sure that I had it right. They really are just amazing people. They've got ministry on their life. And if you could see them, um, just the as, as we get into their story, they're not going to fit the the physical description of the details that they give about the stuff that they've walked through. And you know, and even while I sit here and think about that and all the stigmas that come along with addiction, and some people hear that word and they immediately think of some guy living in inner city somewhere, you know, crawling out from under a garbage can and sores and scabs and, you know, track marks all over them. And, you know, we, we need to, to really get rid of that stigma to know that it will attack. It doesn't discriminate. It will attack any family, any person, no matter the socioeconomic background, no matter the skin color, no matter the family dynamics that you were raised by, you know, whether you were a latchkey kid or you were raised by two of the, the best human beings on the planet, um, addiction doesn't discriminate. But we're going to talk today, um, and, and it's, it's, their, their story is so dynamic, but um, I want to start just by, by hearing y'all's background. So Dustin, just give us a summary of, of your story, man. All right. <clears throat> um, okay, so I guess I'll start out... Um, you know, I struggled starting when I was 17, tore my ACL. Um, they put me on pain pills, and um, I immediately, you know, fell in love with, uh, you know, how that made me feel. And, um, you know, that just kind of started a cycle for me of like, okay, well, if this is good, what else is out there? And started experimenting. And um, so this is a, is a high schooler. Yeah. This is high school playing sports senior. Uh, I had soccer scholarships, um, you know, on the table and all this kind of stuff. I did that my entire life and, you know, I worked so hard. I put so much work into that and kind of had, you know, all my eggs in one basket as far as that was concerned. Um, you know, parents thought, okay, well, you know, if we keep him busy with this, you know, he's got a, a shot at getting into school with it, you know, and getting a scholarship and things like that. So that's what I worked for my whole life. Basically, and um, yeah, this is something interesting to me, man. I don't want to just break your flow, but and and again, so many people we talk about stigma, stereotypes. You think about the person that that gets addicted to pills, or even knows that that pills can can become an issue. I mean, you're thinking of the you know forty, fifty year old guy, you know, way later on in life that that somehow is is getting addicted. I mean, here you are, senior year, stud athlete, looking at its scholarships, have worked your tail off, and then there's an injury, and you get, I mean, from the doctor, that's another thing that people always think. Well, if my doctor writes it, it it can only be good and it can only be helpful. And here comes the prescription to take away this pain, and then you, you know, end up getting introduced to all kinds of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's such a common story, too. You know, like I'm a barber, I cut hair for a living, and for those of you who don't know, um, and you know, when I'm talking to people behind the chair, and I'm, you know, kind of just chopping, you know, chopping it up, telling a little bit about my story or whatever it is. It's such a common story, you know, a young athlete 
has an injury. ACL is super common, you know, um, gets put on pain pills and that's where it started for them. Like I hear that so much. Um, wish I had known that back then, you know, but that, that wasn't the case. Um, you want me to just continue? Okay. So, um, so yeah, tear my ACL, start experimenting with different things up until that point. I was like really good kid. Um, you know, I remember kids on the soccer team used to sneak off and smoke weed and things like that. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like I'm never doing that, you know? And then just like that, I hurt my knee and at the flip of a switch, all that changes. And all the, you know, I was friends with like the valedictorian and like all these good, super smart, you know, kind of nerdy kids, whatever. You are destroying the stereotype right now. Oh, so yeah. there wasn't the, you know, I started smoking weed when I was eight. I no, was the no. worst human being that ever set foot on planet Earth. No, I, I mean, was no, like, like no signs of it. No, I was like the best kid, you know, like just um, I like to think that, um, you know, I was a very generous, loving, you know, kid growing up, uh, just super friendly and just happy kid you know what i mean but um so yeah that happened i just flew off the rails um and uh you know that started a cycle you know that i just um i basically just blew up my whole life within like a year you know i went from never smoking weed never drinking a beer to full-blown like you know out uh you know smoking crack uh snorting coke shooting heroin, you know, went like, like I did such a quick 180 and all of those kids I was hanging out with were like, what's going on with you? You know, like my teachers started expressing their concerns and things like that. And I was just so wrapped up in the attention I was getting, the way that those things were making me feel, um, all that kind of stuff that I just, I didn't care. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to, you know, keep doing what I'm doing because I'm having fun or whatever. Um, and so <clears throat> I ended up going to a couple treatment centers, um, you know, growing up over the years, like maybe 19, I think I went back to the same one when I was 21, you know, I just, I was having, uh, there was still a little bit of fun associated with that lifestyle while I was trying to get clean every time. And, you know, as soon as, um, you know, something bad would happen, you know, grandmother passed away or, you know, any excuse I wanted to come up with, I went right back to using that as my coping mechanism, basically. Um, and um, so, yeah, I struggled on and off for years and uh, I just I could not put any real time together. Um, and so uh, eventually. I don't know how old I was exactly, but um, it got to a point to where, you know, I had exhausted every other uh, way of trying to get sober. And I was just like, uh, you know, I don't know what to do anymore. I couldn't imagine my life, you know, with or without um, using and and, um, and drinking and stuff. And I ended up going to uh, I went to into AA and uh, I got a sponsor. I, I got tight with like a good group of men around my same, you know, kind of younger age. And I got sober um, and uh, I decided that I was going to stop going to college because all of my drug dealers and stuff were in those classes with me. And so I would go to school and just dip out and, um, you know, go get high with them. Um, so I was like, let me figure something else out. So my mom offered to help me do what I, whatever I wanted to do. So started looking into technical schools and that's when I came across the idea that I could do hair. And so, um, I got sober, got a job, uh, you know, working at the grocery store until I could get into hair school, got into hair school. And, um, 
life started changing for me. I started doing really well. Um, you know, I started building up a pretty promising future. Um, I was like star at the school. Actually, when I graduated, we laugh now because they gave me the spirit award at graduation, uh, which was for like the person who most embodied the school. And, and keep in mind, it's like, me and like 300 girls in there you know what i mean like (laughs) you could probably guess why i was like oh yeah hair school this sounds great you know like the odds were definitely in my favor so like i started there and i was a part of every little program that you could do um and uh, that's when i met Kristen. um and uh you know it's fun i used to like make up excuses to like come back to the school so i could sneak into her classes and see her and stuff and and anyways, um, full court press on her. Yeah. So, um, she can maybe, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but, but anyways, um, so things, uh, you know, we were kind of on and off in hair school for a long time. Uh, the program was a year long and, you know, um, I was playing games at that time. I wasn't ready to really get serious and, and it wasn't until, um, after we, um, graduated that we got serious and, um, but I remember when I met her at only a couple months sober, I told her, um, you know, I have this past and, you know, I was into this whole, you know, drug addiction scene, like really heavy. And I'm like, I don't think you really want to be with me. You know, if you, you know, understood where I'm coming from, you know, you're just like this good little country girl who, you know, <laughs> in my eyes was like pretty sheltered and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but you know, she was like, no, I'm, I, I'm in love. Like we're doing this, you know, there was no talking her out of it basically, you know, <laughs> um, despite anything I said. Um, so it's um, a perfect transition. <laughs> Kristen. Oh, okay. So, like Dustin was saying, I we met while we were in hair school, and um, it's kind of funny because the when he told me that he goes to AA and he was um, in recovery for addiction, I was like, I don't understand what that means. Um, I'm from a small town in North Georgia, and so like I was pretty sheltered somewhat, and um, I didn't know what a drug addict even was honestly <laughs> so I was like I don't know what you're talking about and he's like um you know he got into detail and I was like oh I didn't think it was as serious as what he you know had let on so um four years into us dating um I had this perfect picture of what a marriage was supposed to look like I saw my mom and dad they were married for 20 years I never saw any type of arguing I mean I saw my dad he was always so respectful and gave my mom anything and everything and um, I kind of grew up in the church Southern Baptist so I had um, just these expectations of what a husband was supposed to be like and um, also what I wanted my marriage to look like and we got married and honestly during the time of us dating I always told Dustin that I wanted someone um, who went to church with me and who really took that seriously because I knew that that's what I wanted in a husband um, and so he he went to church with me I actually got the privilege to um, baptize him 
Um, but even when we got married, it wasn't it wasn't like our relationship was centered around God. Um, so six months after we got married, he got in a car accident and um, hurt his back. And so I finally saw what he was talking about um, all that time of him talking about him, uh, you know, being addicted to drugs. And I got to see firsthand what that looked like. So hold on one second. So, so y'all, de- so when y'all met, you had, you know, two or three months clean and you kind of try to tell her on the front end of this, like, Hey, look, there's this past mm-hmm. you're, you're not even able to, you just kind of intellectually or just sort of like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but had no, no grid whatsoever. No, never right. seen anything like this. No, never. And so then, then you stay clean for this, this whole time while y'all are dating and married. So now y'all are, it's sort of the four year mark. Yeah. I think it had like five years yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah, probably like five because we dated for four and then we got married a year after. So it was around five years sober that he had had. So so as you get, so as you come to the point where you where you have this wreck, mm-hmm. and then was there any kind of surgery after the wreck? No, there was no, well, not really surgery. Um, so what happened was... Um, I, you know, was on my way into the barbershop. This kid slams into me, gets arrested for a DUI, um, like eight o'clock in the morning. And, um, I hadn't been, you know, point blank. I hadn't been doing the things I needed to do to stay sober. And the accident, um, it hurt something in my back. And because of my past with addiction, everybody was just kind of like, Oh, well he just wants to get high and all this kind of stuff. And I was in so much pain. I didn't think I was going to be able to even cut hair anymore. And to me, it was like, I was faced with a decision. Do I take these pills so I can try and work and keep all of this stuff that I've gained over the six years, be able to pay my bills or do, and do I take that risk or do I just not take it and I can't work and I lose everything anyways, you know? So in my mind, wow. especially because I had not been doing what I needed to to stay sober, um, the selfishness was there. The insane thinking was probably there on some level, you know. So. Can we get into the mindset for a second? Because you know, we, we talk about gratitude. You know, you think about a lot of times people in the front end whenever they're in treatment that this is where you know the the mindset is like that. You know, you kind of work through your defects of character. You know, and then then you kind of set it on cruise control, and you're good. But you're saying at that five yearish mark, you're getting frustrated with the program, you're losing gratitude. Like what? Like what is you know re- resentment at the pro? Like what? Like help. I think people to understand that mindset that can you know that even at five years you're not you know quote unquote out of the woods or safe. Yeah. Um, Time is just a number, you know, um, doesn't matter how long you have sober. Um, it's, you know, you only have today. What are you willing to do today, um, for your recovery? And, you know, and, you know, now I know like to serve God and, you know, the people around me and things like that. Um, so, uh, it's just, it's just a journey, you know what I mean? There's no graduating from, you know, addiction and, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, um, the sinful nature is always in us and we have to stay close to God in order to, you know, keep that off of us, you know, to keep away from that and live a better life. And that's kind of where I've been at since I've left here, you know? 
Um, just trying to be less selfish. Um, you know, I go to meetings regularly. I'm praying. We pray together, me and my wife. Um, life just looks a lot different, you know, but that, you know, that wasn't the case back then. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, just to, to understand the dynamics and, you know, you make the point. I mean, what, what are you willing to do for today? And knowing that that even when you're going through the motions, that if we don't deal with resentments, you know, if we don't remind ourselves to to stay grateful, um, seek the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out, okay, you know, not taking ourselves so seriously, what, whatever it is, to, to just be vigilant or else, you know, we find ourselves, you know, in a spot where, where relapse become becomes a real thing. And then, I mean, obviously that that wreck was not, you know, just just some some excuse. I mean, that was a real thing that caused real real pain. And you're at this spot in your life on what, what you know, what, what what do I do? But because you get disconnected from from your safety net or your your support network, mm-hmm. you know, then you're just left to your own mind and, and we know what where that'll take us. Yeah, I even had in that barbershop after that, um, you know, I'm, t- I'm eating these pain pills like they're going out of style to try and make it through the day. And I'm in so much pain. And I even had the guys that were in my network come to the barbershop during working hours. I have a client in my chair. <clears throat> they're trying to do an intervention on me in the barbershop. I mean, I was so mad. I'm like, how dare you come to my place of work? This is so embarrassing, you know, all this kind of stuff. But these were the men that truly cared about me. This was God working through other people to try to stop me from going back down that road again. And the insanity had returned. Just a side note to all of my would-be interventionist, I probably wouldn't go to somebody's work <laughs> <laughs> with the client there to do that. Oh, my god! But gosh. thank God they, they loved you and they were willing to, yeah. to come and, and meet you. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I will say the... Because he was taking pain pills, but he would run out of run out of pain pills so frequently um, that there was a time where he couldn't get his prescription because doctors was just handing it to him. Um, he had a prescription for pain pills at the time when he got in a car accident, so um, he had like a month before his next prescription, and he had taken all of these pills that he had just got in like a week, and so. He asked, he started asking my boss at the time um, for pain medication. And so I went to my boss and I said, you please do not give him this because he's got an issue, like he's got a problem. And so um, I came home from work and Dustin looked at me and he said, you have no idea what you just did. So it was... Now I can't get pain pills. Now I'm going to do heroin. And that didn't click in my head until the next day um, he left the apartment and turned his phone off and couldn't get in touch with him the entire day. I don't know if you remember this, but... um, And so when he came back, I was watching church on my phone or something um the church service had came on line or something and i was watching it and i asked him he sat down on the couch with me i didn't even want to fight or argue um but he started you know nodding out with his eyes rolling back in his head and i was like okay something is not right you know and um long story short the next morning i 
look over. Dustin's not next to me. I always wake up before he does. And I saw him um, next to the coffee pot. And so I got up. I kept saying his name, saying his name. I saw a um, first aid kit sitting on the kitchen or the coffee table with band-aid wrappers and he was wearing long sleeves this is midsummer and so even though I had not been around that lifestyle like something started to click in my head like this is not pain pills this is something's up and I knew he had told me in the past like his drug of choice is heroin so um he was standing at the coffee pot he did not even realize I was talking to him he was just standing there like completely like zoned out and so I got so scared and I called his dad and his dad met me to go get our apartment key and he said this is not good this is what I've been afraid of this whole time with him on pain pills he's back on the stuff he calls well he calls it something else but he's like he's back on the stuff knows. again yeah. and um I was like what what do you mean he's like I, I need to meet you now he's like this is serious I, I didn't want to be involved in this but I also knew that he was my husband and I had seen him sober for f- over five years and so I knew he could get back to that um but I was just kind of at a loss at, at this point just because I wasn't accustomed to this lifestyle so so you are you know and again just summarizing you know you no idea about this monster You have this idea of what marriage is. I mean, you've seen your dad just, you know, live out the Christian example of marriage. And then now you're in the middle of seeing, you know, this, seeing Dustin, who you you thought he was, or, you know, that he he was, and then now has relapsed and it's full-blown IV heroin addiction. And and then what, 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 I mean, what what does this look like? I mean, how, how long? Um, it was, it was for about three years, uh, on and off, um, since then. Right. Yes. Every time he would get high, like using, um, one of the harder drugs, I will say, um, he would go stay at his parents to try to detox off the drugs. And that's when I would get really resentful because I'm like I am married like this is a man you know and he's got to go stay at his parents house sleep in his old bedroom you know and come off these drugs and you know I would I would be there for him I would be so angry but I would go over there because I wanted to see him so bad but every time I would see him he was in the bathtub like you know chills and then super hot and just going through these withdrawals and he didn't even want me to see him like that but then it was like an ongoing cycle for three years on and off like this he'd go stay at his parents then come back home months are we talking six months no like honestly it would be like he'd go stay a couple weeks until he was off the drugs and he'd be thinking he was good again and come home and you know, ooh and ah me for a little bit, you know, for me to feel like, oh, he's good, you know, and I always had just this uh, positive, you know, mindset towards Dustin being okay, oh, he's got this. There was a point where we actually separated. um, During that three years, right? During the three years of him using, uh, 
there was just a disconnect. I mean, we had nothing to talk about anymore. I was so resentful towards him to, you know, going to get high and me feeling so I wasn't being treated like a wife, you know, I was not being put first. I mean, nothing I ever said or did was good enough or anything. He asked for a separation and um, so I moved out of our place and got my own apartment for six months. And um, so that was very difficult and Darren, so where's your mindset i mean i'm thinking you know most wives at this point i mean have drawn the line in the sand they've called the attorney i mean it's you know they probably you know vented all over facebook i, mean, I, I was quite the opposite um it was kind of sad actually i wore my wedding ring um all the way up until he asked for a divorce um and during, during then six months yes okay um and so i wore my wedding ring all through then it was um, it was bad everybody was scared for her because she lost so much weight because of the stress and the anxiety and she's just at home crying everybody was, was super worried including I was myself worried you know? about him being back out because i knew what was going on i i you know i knew he was drinking he was going out i knew if he was drinking he was doing drugs um that was my life for when, when did you get saved? Um, I got saved when I was 13, but I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus until I was about 19. So 19, and then, and again, you know, I, I think about so many people that, you know, this, this crucible comes where, you know, you've moved out, the life that you envisioned i mean it's it's just not there and there's no sign that it's even going to be there and and again you know i'm looking at you call it the grit factor god's grace but so many people at this point this is where they're bailing out i mean like god i didn't sign up for this that was me i didn't have a relationship with the lord i didn't i wasn't involved in what the bible said did i understand what that said when they read it when we got married no you know i i was that side of it and she was the other side i was like i'm out i didn't sign up for this i'm going to the club i'll be out you know i see you when i see you tired of hearing it from you quit pushing this god thing on me i mean that's where i was at with it i mean total selfishness total denial all the blame is on her. I have nothing to do with this. I just, why can't you just let me live my life and not mm-hmm. force this on me? You know, that's that's where it was at. And I and I was the one. I filed for divorce. I made her come to the courthouse with me, fill out the papers. Meanwhile, she didn't want anything to do with that. She didn't want to give up on the marriage. We ended up coming, what was it, two days before the court date when we were supposed to actually go before the judge and get a divorce where something in me decided to come to her and say, I can't, I can't follow through with this. And she, and she, you know, being where she was agreed, you know, so that's when we decided to get You're still getting high though when you're. Um, what's that? I don't know. It's all, she knows better than me. It was during during that season. Yes. Yeah. And then, and so y'all get back together, like move back in. Yeah. Get back together. I moved in with her and her new place that she had gotten. Leading up to the, um, more serious, um part is how 
I think we were we were in a one bedroom apartment. That's what I had moved into. One bedroom apartment, oh. super small. So Dustin moved all of his stuff in and we were like, we're busting at the seams. We need to rent a house. I'm like, maybe if we get a house, you know, even just renting a house, it'll make us feel like more like a family. As soon as the lady sent over the um, rental agreement or the contract or whatever, Dustin was in the house and I said, or in the apartment, trying to pack stuff up. And I said, why is your pupils so tiny? And that's like when I started realizing like, okay, he's doing drugs outside of the house like when I'm you know when I'm not going to be around or whatever when he doesn't think he's going to be around me but at this point um in the night he I guess was either still high or just took something but his pupils were so small he was packing stuff up like nobody's business I said I don't know I'm just feeling like I don't need to sign this lease I mean I really felt like on my heart God was saying do not do this like move into this house you know and I was like, nope, I'm doing it, you know, got my man back. I got to move into this house. And so moved into the house. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to move into a house and everything's going to be better. No, um, it got worse. And, and that's what, you know, just even getting in the in the weeds and the details of this is because, you know, you, you there, there's there's ways to, to say this, you know, and then there's ways, right? And so... You know, you could easily be like, yeah, it's just kind of a rough time. And the the person that's going through what y'all have been through could just say, yeah, it, there's no way that it's it's crazy like my situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important that 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 some of this stuff is um, is revealed, that it's talked about, because the the people that are in these horrific situations, like you said, the majority of people have already thrown in the towel. But I just I don't know if, you know, it was just this ideal or this, you know, covenant that you really understood, you know, covenant and what it meant for marriage that that it was no there was, you know, it's for better or for worse. There was no backing out of this thing. But it really is amazing to to watch you see this through. So, you know, at this point, I mean, you're thinking all this, you're in this big house, and then, you know, eventually there's I think there's an event, you know, something happens that it is sort of the crossroads. Yes. When all of this came out where I said, I called him and I said, Dustin, you're leaving the house all the time. I said, you're not coming out and telling me that you're on drugs. I said, just tell me the truth. I said, I'd rather you just tell me us work it out than to keep living like this. And he said, yeah, you want to know the truth? Yeah, I, I'm I'm on pain pills. I'm trying to get off of them. So I'm taking Kratom. I'm taking this and that to help me not be sick and to not have you be all over my case because my pupils are small or whatever. I was wearing myself down. My emotional, mental, physical health was really like on the brink. Um, and so got his car keys. What'd he do? Oh, I'm going to do a haircut. Oh, okay. So that was his excuse every time he went to get drugs. Um, I'm going to do a haircut. So he went, came back, and um, it was the dealer's hair haircut. Well, either way, he didn't. I know des- you've been honest. <laughs> he, he didn't deserve a haircut. <laughs> um, so he came back that night, and uh, 
or came back during the day and was there for just a little bit and decided I, I I'm going to the store. So we lived right down the street from the store, like you know, one of the gas stations. We could walk to it, and so he was gone for an hour. And um, he came back, and I said, "Why were you gone for an hour? The store's right there." Oh, I was I was trying to check out, and um, you know, I was trying to. Uh, get some stuff that you may like and came home with the most random stuff in a gas station bag you could ever imagine i'm like what in the world anyways so he sat down (laughs) on the couch and started eating something and i looked at him and i honest to god saw a demon inside of him it was like i've never in my life seen something like this his eyes his face everything was just so red and I just started crying, and I was like, I cannot be in this marriage. I can't do it. And he looked at me, and he said, you're never going to leave me. And he got up, went to the bathroom, and not even a couple month, a couple minutes after he went into the bathroom, I had this overwhelming feeling of I needed to go to the bathroom. And the Holy Spirit, I feel like, just like lifted me off the couch. And I went to the bathroom Dustin, 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 yelling, yelling. And I heard him like aspirating. And I was like, oh my gosh, my worst fear is happening right now. So um, his parents live, lived at the time. We no longer live there, but lived about three minutes away. I mean, well, they got there in about three minutes. We called the paramedics. Um, they got the door open, and as soon as that door flung open, the uh, Dustin just hit the floor, and he was completely white. He was uh, had foam at his mouth, um, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I just lost the love of my life. The, I mean, I just saw my husband die. I remember calling my mom, Dustin, Kathy, his mom on the floor is you know, saying he's not breathing, he's not breathing. And I'm like calling my mom and told her quickly what happened. And she just started praying for God to breathe his breath back into Dustin's Mm -hmm. lungs. And as soon as I rounded the corner after my mom prayed that, uh, his mom goes, he's breathing, he's breathing. And it was like at that moment, I just felt like angels were surrounding Dustin I remember going, I mean, he was at the hospital for several days and, um, you know, I'm taking a shower and I'm like, just looking up like, what, what do I need to do? Like, I, I just feel like I really don't need to be in a marriage like this. And God just like spoke to me and was like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be in this with him and I'm going to get you guys through it. So um, I, I got a couple of things to say about that whole situation too. kind of from my perspective. There's a couple little things that weren't really touched on, like, you know, kind of right before this had happened, um, you know, at this point, I'm not just doing heroin, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I went down to uh, meet my dealer downtown and this is during COVID. It, I'm meeting her at uh, 
a Burger King parking lot that's abandoned in the middle of the hood, you know, and, um, and I was doing this regularly while I'm riding down there. This is not long before all this had happened. And I heard a voice come and speak to me and, and told me to turn around and not to go. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, that was weird, you know? And I was like, nah, I'm going like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that was, but I'm going. And so I go down there and I'm waiting and, um, it's taking forever for the lady to come. And finally I saw a couple weird people and finally she comes and she gives it to me. I had everything, you know, all my little tools and the drugs, I had everything ready to go, you know? And, um, I was usually, I'm getting cracked. I was usually smoking it as I'm leaving the parking lot. Cause I couldn't even wait, you know, couldn't even wait to get home, you know? And I still have to drive from Atlanta all the way back to Canton to where I'm living with my wife who is, you know, hoping that I'm going to stay sober. So anyways, uh, I go to pull out of there and the cops swarm in and swarm in and get this lady. And there was a cop at the street that pulled out after me. And I'm like, well, this is it. I should have listened to that voice. <laughs> the cop turns around and goes back to the Burger King and, and lets me go. I don't know, like God's grace. You know what I mean? So I get home. I'm like, okay, well, not calling that lady again, you know? So there was like little things that had started happening. And I wanted with everything in me to stop using. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. There was no fun in it. It was at this point, my body was physically addicted and I just could not stop. I couldn't get through the withdrawals, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I remember one night I was sitting out on the front porch and I cried out to God, you know, it's like, what do all people do when they finally reach that point? They cry out to God. And that's what I did. I was like, please, like, if you're out there, like, please help me. And you know, a lot of times, as we know, like he answers our prayers, but not in the way that, you know, we expected or we thought he ever would. And for me, that was through that situation of that overdose. Um, you know, it, it physically, you know, it literally opened my eyes. I was like, woke, you know, um, from that. But, you know, as crazy as that was, um, off the detox, I went after I got out of that hospital, you know, I wake up in the hospital, I can't breathe for days. I didn't know if I would ever breathe right again. They had me on a machine and all this kind of stuff. And, um, most people, you know, you would think that after that, that would be the last time, but for people like me, you know, the consequences and, you know, things like that don't really matter. Um, and so it wasn't long after that I got out of detox and, uh, it, what, it was like a week it was or two, about a week later, a week later, a week later after detox, he had went to stay with his, um, went to stay with his parents. Cause after that, I didn't even want him at the house. I just, I needed some time. I, I just, I didn't feel comfortable with him there. So he went, stayed at his parents, and um, trying to still detox. Even though, I mean, he was at detox for just like three days, and he was not all the way off the drugs then. So he went back to his parents, um, started detoxing, and he just was like, he called me one day, and he said, I'm going to the hospital. He said, I've got to check myself in. i got to get medicine. He's like, I cannot do this without something to come off the drugs. He said, and if I don't get medicine, I will be doing drugs again. I just remember that clearly. So then as he called me back and said they didn't take me at the hospital. They just sent me on my way. Um, so I guess I'm going back to my parents' house. And he was like hurrying me off the phone. And I'm like, something is not right. And Soon after that, I get a phone call. His mom goes, are you sitting down? And I'm like, what now? I mean, what? And she's like, 
Dustin overdosed again. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, well, do what you got to do because he's your, I said, that's, that's all. I, I can't do this again. He went to the hospital again, uh, went to, or went to detox, got out of detox and still yet everyone's like, all right, you're done this time, you know, finally, you know, and I'm like, am I really done? You know, that's when the time before when I was like, when God told me, no, you're not done. You're going to stay in this with them no matter what. I knew I'm like, I say I'm done, but in my heart and my soul and my spirit, I'm not done. Like he's, he's my husband. I can't leave him like this. You know, God has got him wherever he goes, whatever he's doing, he has, you know, brought him this far. He's going to keep bringing them out of out of this and so I just not only just really diligently praying for Dustin praying for my marriage but like just soaking in these moments to let God really talk to me to let me know what to do and just to stand firm and what he's going to do and so um that was when I called you trey (laughs) um was after that second overdose and i was at the time you know not working dustin wasn't working or i had been out of work for a while and i'm like i don't care what i have to do what what needs to be done i have to get them into a place and um i reached out to my my friends from church and they said they knew about good landing and um that I needed to give you a call. And so I, I just feel like God's hand was all over that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm in detox and I'm, this is the point where I'm like, okay, she's finally done. You know what I mean? Like I believe her this time, um, like all the times before, you know, whatever, but like, she was literally like, like, no, I can't do this, you know? And, um, she, and I kind of, I'm real good at manipulating and talking my way back into things, especially with her. And, um, she was like, well, I found this rehab and first it was, uh, another rehab. I think it was, I don't know if I should mention the name. I think it was no longer bound. And that that's what a year long program. And I'm like, no freaking way. Like I'm not going somewhere for a year. Well, I had been researching before I even reached out to to my friends from church, I had been researching because I'm like, okay, I got to get them some help, you know? So I started researching different um, rehabs and just figuring out, you know, trying to figure out what in the world to do with him. And that's when my friends gave me your number. And so um, I'm like, babe, I found this great rehab. Like I talked to this guy, you're going to love it. I'm like, you got to go like that's your only option like you got to go <laughs> so, um yeah me i'm faced with like you know after being here now this is a nice you know a nice soft place to land or the life that i was living and only somebody in my position would be like oh, let me think about it you know what i mean like so ridiculous and um you know i just I'm so grateful because like literally without her, I wouldn't be here. You know, if it had just been me, I'm getting out of detox by myself and they're like, you know, um, you know, we're all done with you. Good luck. You know what I mean? I would, I, I, you know, I can't say for sure, but 
looking back on it, I was not in the mindset of let me find a place like Good Landing to go to. You know what I mean? God's hand was all in that, you know, um, connected all the dots, you know what I mean? And then I ended up here and um, after I got here, I mean, it was exactly what I needed, you know. Um, and I still think even after leaving here now, it's like sometimes I'm like, man, I, I just I wish that, um, you know, I could go back to Good Landing sometimes because it was like such a, you know, awesome time to just be able to stay here and not have to worry about all the things in life and just be able to work on myself and, and my relationship with God and stuff, you know. And now in our marriage that, you know, got uh Jesus is the center of our relationship. Like we read the Bible together. We wake up in the morning and pray. And if we don't pray at the house together, then he's on his way to work and he'll call me and pray. And just the husband that he is now, like totally different service heart. I mean, making me lunch, breakfast, dinner, I mean, whatever it is, I'm sitting on the couch, baby, what do you want? What do you need? Like, do do I need to go get you something? I mean, just so different than um, what it was before. And And, and and let me just, (laughs) something I was just thinking about is, is during your time here of this laser focus on what was in front of you, helping people, you know, not making excuses. I remember at one point, you know, even while you were here, just to, I think, help make ends meet, you know, that you even went and found a job over here on this side of town. But it was this, it's just something different, you know. And then, and then now, just hearing you talk about him, you know, making lunch and, you know, doing all these things, which, which is the, the opposite spirit of what drives addiction, which is selfishness. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, now that I think back on, you know, what it took to get you in, but once you finally got here, it was, it was no games. I mean, you, you were all about business. I'm going to get what I came for and you did. And, um, you know, and now I just, you know, I think about the service work that y'all do. I mean, and just, and two, what else is I think interesting at at Jesus being the, the center of this is that you're, you know, I'm going to probably mess this up, but just to, you know, you said something to this effect that your marriage is better now than it was before, um, which is, which is profound. I mean, which is just a testimony of, of what God can do and, and how he can change us, you know, even after we've been married for years and like, think we have the thing figured out. Oh, we thought we had it going on in the beginning. I 100% feel like we had to go through everything that we've went through to, be as strong and as stable as we are now i mean and we've just touched a little bit i mean we there's there's some in-depth things that we have really walked through together past drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. i mean so it's pretty remarkable how and we're a younger couple you know so when people look at us how are you i'm 26 21 Shut up. I'm 31. <laughs> He's 31. Um, you know, but they'll look at me and be like, oh, honey, y'all don't even know. And I'm like, uh-huh, you don't even know. You, know? <laughs> like, you don't even know, girl, old lady. Oh I'm yes. kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, though. But, um, yeah. you know, We've I just. been through a lot in just yeah. a few short years, yes. you know, that yes. some people never will probably experience. But it's just like, 
you know, people look down on either your age or your, or, you know, the fact that he was involved in drugs and alcohol. And there's like things with me, like I'm very codependent and there just all these things that have got worked out of me and worked out of him individually. And then as us, like us as a couple too, I mean, it's just a total game changer. And all of that had to happen for us to be as strong as we are for sure. Yeah. I didn't see any way that the relationship was repairable at all. Like even when I got here, I met with my therapist the first day and I was just bawling, crying. I'm like, my family doesn't want anything to do with me. I ruined my marriage. She wants nothing to do with me. So yeah, I was not playing games when I got here. I was like, this is literally my last shot. If I do drugs again, I'm probably going to die and I'm going to lose my family. You know, everything's gone. You know, I, I stay active in like, you know, my recovery to such a high level um, you know, my sponsor's like, you can add stuff, but you can't take it away. You know what I mean? That's my expectations, you know? So I'm always doing stuff for my recovery to make sure that I'm in a good place, you know, mentally, mm-hmm. spiritually, not so much physically. I'm working on that, you know? <laughs> um, but, um, that's what it takes, you know what I mean? In my experience for yeah. me, that's what it takes, you it's know? true, man. Yeah. Yeah. And investment and, you know, and, and not that it, it you necessarily let up down the road but but on the front end of where there's this season of of consecration everything's black and white and and you know i mean you just you look look at all the data and and i think people that that don't and and not that we live under this you know oh my gosh you know there could be a pile of dope you know right around the corner Mm -hmm. you know type of deal but those that that are negligent that don't take it seriously i mean th- there's a reason why there's a 32% chance at at one year clean that that people make it and it doesn't double until 2 years clean and you look at the common denominator of 80% that don't make it and it really comes down to to pride and you know and the fact that you're so supportive you've jumped into this thing and you know you're not resentful of of all this stuff but you know like this is the treatment you know if you had cancer you wouldn't be like oh you're going to chemo again like come on Mm -hmm. let's let's you know what are we doing here Mm -hmm. and and then too you know on top of that which i think is just so so beautiful about y'all's story um you know even though You've never put a needle in your arm. You've never had an alcohol problem. How far is it from from good landing to your house? It's like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, in between it depends between on an traffic. hour, traffic. an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 So you're two to With three hours gets longer. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you're. I mean, you're two. You know, two to three hour round trip, and you're driving over here to pour into girls that are struggling, women that are struggling that you don't even know. I mean, talk to us about that a little bit. Um, yeah, so I've been wanting to get into a Bible study for a long time, leading a Bible study. And I felt like this, after Dustin graduated from here, I don't know, I just felt like this was a perfect opportunity to, you know, share my experience, um, you know, for, for maybe the girls to see what it's like for their families, you know, and also just... You know, Jesus can restore anyone 
anytime. I fully believe that. Um, and so to see all these women that are here and I just get to, you know, experience going through the Bible with them. And we've been going through Proverbs. We've read um, 14 chapters in Proverbs and then um, did the book of John last week, just John 14 through 16, because I really wanted anyone who didn't know Jesus, I wanted to really, um, really focus on John chapter 15, where it talks about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, you know, and how um, we'll produce fruit if we're connected to that vine. And so just really telling the girls how important it is to stay, just have the Holy Spirit dwell in us and just really rest in God and rest in who he is. And through that, two people accepted Jesus last week. And so I just... I felt it on my heart during um, while we were going through scripture last week to just I felt like someone in the group wanted to to know him more um, and just have that relationship. And so when we bowed our heads to pray, I just like really wanted to make that an opportunity. And so when the two ladies raised their hands, like, oh, my gosh, the joy that you know, I felt and that everyone else got to feel afterwards. Um, she was, was preaching all night. After I mean, that. was, <laughs> <laughs> was so oh my cool. gosh, yeah. it was super cool. So, yeah. did you get saved again? <laughs> oh, I, I got saved. I got baptized. Her whole family. I, I mean, know. my whole family that night. I'm like, all right, about to preach to y'all. So, um, no, it was. My mom Amazing. called me to kind of catch up, and she stole the phone and started preaching. And my dad was in the background; he got preached to. That night, there was a yeah. lot of preaching going on. No, I just it was. Yeah. Um, Don't y'all feel called to come work a good landing? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, um, I joke about that. Well, not really joke, but it's funny because I have such like passion, I guess, for this now because. I've been with Dustin for nine years and I've seen him walk through a lot of tough things and also I've seen him sober for an amount of time so I know you know the program a little bit but what I know more is Jesus and I know that he works and will always work and the fact that this program is based on that is just something I'm so supportive and grateful for that he found this place or, you know, got the opportunity to come here. And so, I mean, I've, if we didn't live so far away. <laughs> yeah. And you're just fighting from such a different place when you know. And it's just, but again, I mean, it's just it's just amazing to me to think about y'all's story and how God's using you, you know, what you're willing to do to be able to help people. And, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's what it takes, you know, and. Not that everybody's expression, you know, has has to be exactly like this, but there's this complete paradigm shift from me, 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 and you know, and I think w once you lay everything down at the altar and you get outside of this this focus just on self, and then now, you know, it comes back to our marriage has never been this good. Like it was better than it was, you know, even whenever we thought we had it going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys are just just the real deal. Yep. 
Love you too. Well, it's been awesome. Um, and and again, I mean, just uh, just y'all are dynamic. I mean, we hit you know focused on on ministry. I feel like is what we what we thought we we're going to focus on, and and that was definitely a part of it. But there was just so much in there, and I can't wait to listen to it, share it with our community and all the people that are going to listen to it, and we'll do it again. Yeah, I hope Thanks. that it helps cool. helps some people out there. You know, so it will for sure. Love y'all. Thanks for having us. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.